following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. What um, I'm hoping to do, or what we're going to do um, today, is a few things. First of all, I'm going to share a little bit of my own testimony, the, the story of Christians Against Poverty. Um, I'm going to let you know of the miraculous, uh, truly miraculous uh, growth of CAP here in New Zealand, what we're doing here. I'm going to explain a lot about our new initiative, our job club, our CAP job club initiative, something that we're really hopeful we're going to inspire you guys as a church to get involved with uh, as we go forward. Um, And yeah, I'm going to give every single one of you an opportunity to get involved in this thing, uh, to pray, to get engaged with us, to spread the news of CAP, uh, to give regularly to support our work. Um, and obviously, um, my life story has been written into a book. Um, I'm not sure we've actually quite got enough, but we hopefully have. Um, we're going to give uh, a copy of my uh, book away to everybody who wants a copy, so we can actually hear a little bit more about the story. So, my own testimony and the, the story of Cap. Okay, um, I was born into a, a really loving family. My parents were... Um, Really, really great people. Um, my father was a very gentle soul. Um, I came along very late in their life. I was the son that he'd always wanted and been waiting for. And I had a, an idyllic early life. At nine years old, my father became gravely ill. And uh, a combination of him being in hospital, I suffer from dyslexia at school, um, being introduced too early to alcohol. Uh, my life spiraled as a teenager. Um, really, really out of uh, control. I was a very angry, um, quite a violent young man. Um, my father was in hospital most of the time. My mother was struggling to cope with a very rebellious, angry young man as a son. And I left school at 15. Um, yeah, I went to put lids on paintings in a paint factory. Uh, I don't think you can actually start any lower than that in a career. The only good thing about that career was the only way it was up. Um, but yes, it did go up. I became a, I became a stacker. <laughs> and let me tell you, the seeds of my future growth were there in the early days. And then at 18, um, real tragedy hit me. Uh, my beautiful father died. And not only was, did my father die, uh, but my mother was sectioned uh, under mental health from the breakdown. She shuf- suffered in the preceding months of losing my father. I remember the day when the uh, suits came into my house. Uh, they did simply take my mum away. It, it was probably the right thing to do. Hear my heart. People working in mental health. What a difficult job that is. But I was 18 years and six months old. And I distinctly remember the file closing. And then walking out. And just being completely, very, very much on my own. This was the first time in my life that I experienced uh, what it is to be. A kind of very lonely, very broken, very afraid. Um, I hadn't turned around I was still mixed up. It was grim. Very, very grim. Didn't know God. Had nothing around me and was very difficult. Yeah, a very difficult time in my life. However, there was something that I think God put in me that would not lie down and would not let my life be ebbed away, really. It was the only one I got. There weren't going to be no one else helped me. So I decided to get a better job. As I said, not difficult. Got a job as a, I got a job as a door-to-door loan salesman. 
and a debt collector. Um, yeah, that was a very, very difficult job for me to do. Um, probably the only light side of it was that's where my love of running came from. They never. Yeah, I did 11 miles, 20k around your beautiful harbours yesterday. Very nice. And somehow this kid from the wrong side of the tracks. I had, uh, yeah, from where I came from, a very very good uh, career in consumer finance. I worked from the very very bottom as a uh, literally a door to door guy. Then got to run a team. Then I became a, a, a centre manager of a finance company. And then over about 12 years, ended up being recruited by a group of people. We would. Uh, build and be recruited and headhunted to build UK finance companies, consumer finance companies. I used to sit in the boardrooms where they would talk about their, uh, their degrees and their um, yeah, MBAs. I had a cycling proficiency test, by the way, so it was all a little bit <laughs> embarrassing for me. However, if you'd have seen me in the late 80s, it all looked good. It looked great. Um, yeah, it looked great. I had a big salary, uh, big bonuses. I was married, I had two children, I had a big house, nice car, big holidays. The world would say that I had, yeah, that I'd succeeded. But underneath that veneer, uh, and really trust me, it was a very, very, very thin veneer. Remember the young, broken young man I told you about? The truth was, that's who I was. I was involved in unsuccessful businesses. I was entrepreneurial with no wisdom. I borrowed heavily, got involved with the wrong people, made many personal mistakes. I lived beyond my means. I wasn't the best husband I could have been to my first wife, and I wasn't, at the time, I feel, the best husband I could, uh, father I could have been to my two daughters. And I lost the lot. I lost everything. Banks closed in on me. Credit companies started collecting. I became the one who had the debt collector at the door. And I lost absolutely everything. Yeah, this book is um, basically my diary that's being printed. Um, 160,000 copies now distributed around the world. Um, yeah, not bad for a dyslexic kid who left 15. God's got a sense of humor, eh? So here we go. This is where I was. Over the next year, I gradually fell apart. I was a completely broken man living in a shell, shattered and breaking up. I used to look after my two little girls, Jasmine, age seven, and Jessica, age four. I lived in just one room. When the girls stayed, we had to use two little camp beds in my one small room. I would often cry. Just looking at them both asleep next to me, the word destitute is often overused, but that's what I became, utterly devoid of any spirit, hurting, lonely, and very afraid. We were a very poor family. It was a real struggle for me. I was totally mixed up and broken. I was trying to desperately try and support my ex-wife while trying to pay my debts off and feed my children, utterly crippling, practically and emotionally. Um, yeah, we got, we got a picture of that bed sit, which I think we can pop up now. Um, and when people ask me where CAP started, this is where it started. There's my bed there, there's the two camp beds, there's my little girls, that's our wardrobe, there's a little bag. If you've ever judged the poor, if you've ever not had any compassion for poor and needy people who have made a few mistakes. I'm here to tell you that they're still husbands and they're still wives and they're still fathers and they still love their children as much as you do. 
and they still want to care for their children, and they still want to send their kids to school in decent clothes, and they still want to have some dignity, and they still want to be able to go out. They're still human beings, although they've made some mistakes and fallen on hard times, and that's what my life became. Let me just pop a picture up of my little daughter, Jasmine. This is little Jasmine. She was nine. Um, man, she grew up too young. Um, my children stopped asking me for anything because there was nothing. She grew up too young. She really helped me. She would go into shops and buy a few slices of ham and a few bread rolls. She would make Christmas Day where just the three of us would have bacon sandwiches on our own. She would make that fun. She's an amazing girl, and so was my other little daughter, uh, Jessica. And that's where Christians Against Poverty started. That's why till the last breath in my body, the last ounce of energy that God gives me, I will spend my life reaching other John Kirkby's who were in the situation I was in. And in the midst of all this, I met my Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I met a bunch of Christians they didn't judge me. They didn't tell me I'd done a few mistakes. They didn't tell me how brilliant they'd been with their money. They just showed me the love of Jesus Christ. They showed me that I had value. They made sure that me and my kids had enough. And slowly, I discovered the love of Jesus Christ. That I could be forgiven. That I could have a hope and I could have a future. And in my heart here, after finding Christ in 1992 and over the four years before I started CAP, um, I was probably one of the worst baby Christians in the history of baby Christians. Although looking around here today, you might give me a run for your money, some of you. But <laughs> yeah, still suffered a little bit, very still angry and broken, very ashamed and guilt, guilty. I used to drink too much, I had wrong relationships. But listen, my Jesus never left my side. He forgave me time and time again. The church stood with me. I slowly began to live a life slightly worthy of the love of Jesus and my life began to change. As we approached 1995-96, um, I met my beautiful second wife, Lizzie. Um, yeah, she was uh, uh, younger than me. I know it's difficult to imagine anybody younger than me, but she is. Uh, she was waiting for a knight in shining armour to ride into a life, yeah? And an old bloke on a donkey with two followers trotted <laughs> along, so be careful, ladies, what you pray. Yeah, and we, yeah, we really, I started to live a little bit better. I started to sort out my debts. And basically, the system that now has helped over 90,000 people around the world was birthed in my darkness of debt and poverty. I began to live within my means. I cut my credit cards up. I negotiated with my creditors to get interest reduced and stopped. I set a separate account up to repay my debts. The cap money system, which you were so uh, encouraging of, is basically the basic system that I developed in those first years to get myself out of debt. And everything was looking great. I was back on track. I got a great job. I was running a secured lending division. And in 1996, 12 weeks before we were due to get married, I walked into work and basically did what I'm not recommending any of you do, I basically said, I'm out of here. Don't want to do it anymore. I remember that still small voice where I'd 
as we often do, say to God, if I survive, I'm all yours. Amen. Anybody else been there? <laughs> By the way, he understands you. He's okay. He thinks it's cool. Don't stop saying it. And I knew I had to do something. I knew I needed to use my own experience to help people. So I went home, told Lizzie. That was an interesting evening in between doing the, the, wedding, pl the, the wedding plan. Oh, did I mention I wanted to leave my job and help the poor? No, I didn't, John. <laughs> she was great. And yeah. We got married, and in 1996, uh, we started Christians Against Poverty. Uh, an overwhelming privilege for me and my wife to have been given that opportunity, and we did. Cap started with nothing. I started in a home office with a little Excel spreadsheet, a calculator, a God who believed in me, two people praying, and 10 pounds, which I think is about 50,000 New Zealand dollars, so it's probably <laughs> worth more. Okay, I won't mention the rugby neither, all right, okay. And we just went for it. It's a, it, it's a remarkable story. If, if you are someone, I know I used, to, I used to hear of people who would start ministries. You know when you start a ministry on a Monday and then by Wednesday you meet a millionaire, by Thursday 50 people find, the, you know, find Christ and by Friday there's 100 churches desperate to give you a gig? Yeah? Okay, trust me, that ain't my story. <laughs> and you know what? It ain't the story of anybody who does anything for God. Amen? Whatever you're doing. And if Capita remained just me and Lizzie in our little home office helping a few people in my own city, you know what, it would have been worth it. Okay, but you don't do things easy. We, have, we did it. We did it difficult. You will read in this story the challenges that we face. And we got going and we just simply started doing what we were doing. And I started seeing lives transform before my very eyes. I saw husbands who were suicidal who thought if they ended it all they'd be able to feed the children. I saw them not take their lives. I saw marriages being held together. I saw homes not being repossessed. I saw children being fed. I saw people taking control. I saw the power of God at work in my life and through my life in the lives of a very small number of people when I first started. And we struggled. It was extremely difficult. <clears throat> you must never finish. You must never stop reading, nevertheless, halfway through. You must get to the end because it is grim. Amen? I mean, you've seen me at the end, so you should be okay. But seriously, you're in for a real, you are in for a roller coaster ride with this one. Okay, we didn't get paid on time for 13 years. We lost our home. You know, the, the reality of serving the poor, the reality of paying a price for people less fortunate than yourself is in these pages. And we give God all the glory. And all the honor and all the praise. Listen, anything good in us, anything good in camp, anything praiseworthy, any compassion, any miracle, it is God. Amen. In us. But he needs ordinary men and women of God, just like you and me, to be willing to not do something when you, to not do, to do nothing. Oh, I've got that mixed up. I'm jet lagged. I've lost it. <laughs> this is what I wrote. When I sit down and think over the last year, I sense the enemy pulling at my emotions, saying people don't believe in me. Can I carry on paying the price if Cap is destined to remain small and we're only going to help a handful of people? If I'm to have my home repossessed and be destitute and in debt for the rest of my life, can I carry on? The honest answer is I don't feel I could do that. The reasons are partly my lack of faith in my ability to sustain how we live for a long period. But secondly... And this is a really, really, um, yeah, this is a very special couple of paragraphs that I wrote. Obviously, I had no idea about that. 
when I wrote this. I wrote this. But secondly, I know my God will not allow that to happen. I believe the Lord will provide for us. We will not live a destitute life. My debts will be cleared and cap will grow to be a wonderful ministry, helping thousands of people. I see a time where we'll be blessed. I'll have a reasonable income, be able to afford to live and pay my bills and have a decent life for my wife and kids. I feel my spirits being lifted by simply writing these truths. The enemy has no defences against the promises of God. All I have to do is carry on. Carry on, that's my responsibility. The rest is up to God. Nevertheless, I will continue. Hence the name of the book, Nevertheless. Never knew it was going to be printed. So, Cap in the UK, 18 years later. <clears throat> 270 debt centres, largest provider of in-home debt counselling in the UK. We've helped over 90,000 individuals since we started the ministry over 18 years. Uh, we have just over 270 centralised staff at a 50,000 square foot office and training complex in the north of England. We support over 550 church-based debt coaches and centre managers. We see 2,500 individuals go debt-free every year, eight every working day. We have seen... Over 5,000 individuals find Jesus Christ as their personal saviour. This year, we may see over 900 individuals, three people every day in the UK, find Jesus Christ through the work of Christians Against Poverty. My God is an awesome God. Amen? Amen. You give him a clap then, I think he... Yeah. Cap Money, our money education program, largest provider of adult face-to-face -face education, financial education in the UK. 3,000 money coaches, just short of 1,000 churches bringing money education. Not only our Cap Money adults, but Cap Money students, Cap Money youth, and now Cap Money primary school. We've got Cap Money students working in all the universities across the UK. Who said the church should not be at the forefront of social change? Where has our faith and belief that Jesus Christ is still not in the business of changing nations. I have seen it with my own eyes that God is indeed able to do abundantly more than you can or I could dream or imagine. This nation, my nation, we're also in Australia, we just launched in Canada, are nations that need the church to rise up and show the way. Do you know that your society is in a mess? Trust me, I've met the mothers who can't feed the children in your nation. I've been here over 20 times over the last seven years. I'm not coming here because your nation don't need us. I'm coming here because your nation does need Christians Against Poverty. But more importantly, it needs the church to rise up and show your nation and your communities that we can do something, not only <clears throat> really well, but do it on a scale where ultimately we can impact your nation. Unbelievable what God has done. In 2000, <coughs> we launched in Australia, and <coughs> we're growing significantly there. And then in 2007, I landed here in New Zealand. Um, we were invited here by a couple of people who had seen our work in Australia. Uh, the history of us being extremely well resourced continued. Uh, we had $3,000, there were three of us, uh, and we were in a, a Starbucks in Parnell using their Wi-Fi to download a load of systems to start cap. 
and we started it in a very, very surprised landlady's house who couldn't quite believe that these three English people who'd arrived had basically set up a complete central debt counselling ministry in her house. She was really warm and friendly and actually got involved and kind of helped us. And that's where we started. Just two desks. I used to sleep on the camp bed in the, in the room and put it away, get the desks out and go for it. Listen, I'm used to seeing miracles. If you've not seen a miracle recently, okay, I'm going to tell you probably one of the reasons why. You've not put yourself in a position where you need one. Hello? Seriously. Put yourself in a position where you need God to turn up. Go and knock on that neighbor's door you haven't spoken to for five years and invite him for a coffee. You need a miracle. You might get one. What about that work colleague that doesn't really know where you stand with God who says he's got cancer and something inside you says, offer to pray for him. You go pray for him. You'll need a miracle. You might get one. What I have seen in New Zealand has left me completely taken aback by the miraculous intervention of the living God. We had nothing seven years ago. And God has grown cap in New Zealand beyond even my, and trust me, my dreams are wild, beyond my wildest dreams. In just seven years since we landed here in New Zealand, we now have 35 debt centres spread from the north to the south across your nation. 179 active cap money coaches. In our, through our research, we don't know of another organisation that's got over nearly, nearly 200 cap money churches and we'll open over 80 of those next year. Cap works. 235 of our clients have gone debt-free since we started. 81 clients already this year, for this week. I was here to celebrate four families being rung up and told they're debt-free. I remember when I went debt-free. I remember the dignity it gave me. We don't pay people's debts off. We are a hand-up, not a hand-out ministry. We just create an environment of support and help to give them a chance, as you'll see from the DVD in a few moments. We've got 24 staff at our head office in... I'll have a go. Ho to who? <laughs> yeah, well, you know where it is because you're laughing, so it works. <laughs> it's been amazing. And we just launched and pioneered our cap money, uh, our cap job clubs here in New Zealand with five uh, pioneer centres up and running. But at the end of the day, uh, we have a vision to see your nation changed. We really have. We want in every community, every church, we only work through churches, no church, no cap. We are Christians against poverty. We offer to pray with everybody. We believe everybody should get a chance to meet Jesus Christ as their personal saviour. And why not us and why not now? We are rampantly evangelistic. Amen? Great. Like all that. By the way, if you don't like that, that's okay. I ain't changing. We are. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ in my life, where would I be? Where would you be? Surely we should have a passion to share that with other people and give them a chance and not say their no for them. We say their no before they get a chance to say their yes. Well, we don't. We give Bibles. We offer to pray. We invite them to church. We do house groups. We pray with them. We see them saved and brought into the church. Let's just watch One Life. At the end of the day, Christians Against Poverty is about individuals. Let's just watch the screens of this DVD and this will tell you what Christians Against Poverty does in people's lives and this is the important bit.
We had a car that was on HP. So the repo guy came to repossess the car. That was the beginning of us falling into this big hole of debt that we weren't able to get ourselves out of. I would just have late nights like, trying to stay up, trying to figure things out, trying to see what I could do for my within the business, trying to make more money. For me, it was the phone calls. He'd say, if it's for me, say I'm not home. If we got invited to birthday parties or family events, we'd make an excuse not to go. Like, we'd say that one of us was working. We just didn't have the money to go and didn't want to turn up empty-handed. When we didn't have money, we'd be, you know, we'd go visit Robert's parents, you know, and they would think that we're bringing their kids to visit. But really, the main reason we'd go over was because we knew that the kids would be able to eat. Personally, I, I probably just shut myself away from Katie and, and the kids. It was just a constant battle between the two of us. I would snap at times when she was asking me about these bills and about the debt. And... I packed Robert's stuff into a box, um, threw it out on the driveway and told him to get out. Robert and Katie, I saw this beautiful young family that, you know, both parents were working hard and doing the, their best, but they just weren't getting anywhere, you know. Being a debt coach is basically about helping a family through their journey to get them out of debt. To just say it's okay. To have them sit with us and explain what the whole process is and that they'll be there to support us throughout the whole journey. No judgement on us or anything was you know, just an amazing feeling. We have three visits with them, and basically during that time, the cap team builds a budget, negotiates with creditors, and the family begins paying back their debt. For us to be told to ring cap when a creditor or someone called, um, that was a huge relief because we didn't have to hide anymore. For me personally, I truly felt uh, the burden lift, almost physically, I truly did. When Chris explained to us how much we should be spending on food, it was like, are you serious? Oh my gosh. We can, you know, have a decent meal. This was an opportunity for us to work on our relationship as a husband and wife, um, as parents, but most importantly, work on our relationship with God. We talked more. They just had to walk the journey. Now they've got the direction and they're just running with it. At 2.18 on the 13th of February, Karen rang and she goes, you guys are debt-free. It was, yeah, a journey that we were on for so long in terms of debt for more than six years and in less than three, with Cap's help, with God's help, we were out of debt. This couple are just inspiring. They've inspired me. The work that Cap does, that's something that I want to do and I've become a, um, a debt coach. And because of Kip, we have an amazing relationship with, with God. The life we were living is not how he wants us to live.
our story, we, you know, no longer is our struggle one that we just keep to ourselves and hope. Having gone through what we've been through, you know, we just want other people to know that there is hope and, and that God loves them. We look to go forward with eyes wide open for a better future for our kids and family. Amen. And that is why I'm here, and that is why I will continue to be here. Whoops, I'm falling down here. There we go. So, our job clubs. We opened uh, CAP Job Clubs in the UK uh, 18 months ago. Um, we've been, again, astonished by the growth. We're 101 uh, job clubs now in the UK in just over 18 months. Uh, largest independent group of job clubs in the UK, all in the church. I've uh, seen over 200 people find work, and the great thing about that is that we're wanting to, uh, it's not an executive search uh, club. We want to work with people who have got, really have lost their hope. And the average time of unemployment for the people who have already found work was two years, two months. So they've been out of work for over two years. Yeah, when the church get involved with CAP, with our program, it's amazing. We've started it here in New Zealand. We've opened five of our first job clubs, plus we're going to open one here. That's a joke, by the way. I was supposed to encourage you that I want to open one here. It didn't work. I'll do it again. Okay, we want to open one here. Okay. Amen. <laughs> People desperate to clap. We'll do it all at the end. We'll cheer and clap at the end. You get it out of your system. We do three things. We do community. We put a community together. Uh, upward of three to maybe 12 people come on an eight-week course, which is an eight-week course we've developed, and also coaching. We do a coaching program. We train our job, club co- our job club coaches to do coaching sessions with people. And as you would not, you would not be surprised, because it is Christians Against Poverty in the UK, uh, we've seen loads of people find Christ as well. Not just find jobs, but find Christ and get brought into a church and be given a chance to be discipled. It is amazing. And I really do hope that you guys will join with us in that pioneering of a job club here on the North Shore. We really would love to see uh, what we could do together on that. And again, I'm sure there'll be more information. So, we need you. Uh, We do need you as a church. We need you as a church to continue to work with us and pioneer through our uh, CAP money program. Um, We need you to be open to the possibility of, of opening one of our job clubs. Um, we'd really love to work with you and we obviously need churches to be warm and welcoming to us to allow them in and I just want to say again to yourself Reuben just um, I am a church leader in my spare time planted a church seven years ago so I've built a we've built a kind of a local church I don't lead it anymore I'm a reluctant elder that's my position um, but just the warmth for yourself personally but also the warmth of the church to welcome Cap in and allow me to be here to, be able to speak about our vision and ask people to get involved I just want to say that generosity uh, it says in the world it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger amen by the way the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller okay that's in the message truck the message version that was written for Bradford people by the way so you can take it as well but the generosity of the church uh, I really do pray continued yeah, enlargement of all that you will see here on the North Shore. So here are the way that you can get involved. First of all, for everybody, okay, if, 
well, you may have to run, I'll be reasonably quick. Um, we've got a, a free copy of Nevertheless. This book is free, okay? You do not have to become a regular donor to get this book, but what we do ask is that you give us your name and address and your contact details so that we can keep in touch with you. It's really simple. So if you fill the form in with your name and address, you get a book, no form, no book. Are you with it? You're on it? Okay. We want to keep in touch with you. We want you to watch and be involved and be engaged, not just get a book. Okay. The book will inspire you. It will encourage you in your own challenges and your own difficulties. So please, yeah, get a free book. Also, um, we need people who will fill those forms in and indicate that they want to pray with us. Um, we do need volunteers. Again, great to hear of a volunteer here in the church working with uh, our debt center across the highway, highway motorway. Um, with Live Church, um, that would be great. We need people to do that. And also, um, we do need, we need people to support our work with a regular donation. Um, one of the great miracles in New Zealand is the fact that we are already 70% regularly funded as a ministry. We receive no government funding. Um, as an organization, our clarity around the gospel, our clarity around working only with churches makes that area difficult. By the way, we would take money off anybody if they allowed us to do and be who we are. Amen? But our main source of funding is from a staggering 2,300 New Zealand couples and individuals who have heard this vision, who have got on board and have given a few dollars each month. And it is those people, people just like you, who do have a love for the poor, who do want to see the church at the forefront of social change, who want to see people empowered to see their lives changed, who believe that it's right that people will be given opportunity to find Christ, who want their churches to be relevant and want the church to rise up in this nation and make a difference. It is to the credit of over 2,300 individuals who have sat where you are sitting at some stage in the last seven years and said, do you know what? we can do something to help here. If that's something you can do, we really would encourage you to do that. I think the average giving here per month is about $35, $35. Hear my heart. It isn't about the money. By the way, if the urge takes you to give more, don't fight it. Okay? All right. But we've got people giving $5 a month, $10, $20 a month. Listen, that's the great joy of it. Your involvement in this thing is not limited by where you are financially. It's only your heart and your determination and your commitment. It's your choice. But we want to give everybody an opportunity to get involved in that. And as you're filling that form in, as you're deciding to do that, I'd just like to finish <clears throat> really briefly, just on a personal note. I've been doing this for 18 years. And you'll read in the book, um, I'm away from my family, uh, not as much as I used to be. But we pay a price. And I know that God needs to re-energize me and re why I'm doing this thing and why we do CAP. And six weeks ago, I got a real, real joy. Here is my first granddaughter. Here she is, Rose Eliana. By the way, she's just gorgeous. I don't know if you can see it or not, but she is. Not sure about me, but anyway, we'll go with the baby, okay? Um, yeah, just this is a five-year long-awaited child for my eldest daughter, Jasmine, and her joy has been a real thing for us as a family. But it's also brought home to me something else that's really reminding me what this thing is about. If you just go on to the next photo, here's, here's my family now. I don't know if you can see it, um, but basically Jasmine's there with her husband's side. There's Lizzie, my boy, Tom, me, uh, Jessica, my other little daughter, by the way, who's now a midwife, uh, amazing, and then Jasmine, uh, 
have too many kids to know the names, Abigail and then Lydia, got five children. That little child, Rosaliana, has been born with two parents, both walking with God. Both sets of grandparents are walking with God. She's got such, such a chance, such a better start than I gave her mum. If you just put the other two pictures up, it kind of has really brought it home to me. So there she is. So there's where her mum was, with a father who could barely feed her. And there she is now. The reason why I'm passionate about CAP and the reason why I want to see it go and do what I know it can do is for the generations to come. You know, the chances of you coming through if you're born into a very poor, low economic area and your parents are in debt and they've got problems, you know, your chances of coming through are really slim, okay? Can we stop judging young people who get mixed up? But if we can get into their families and get into the schools and get into the universities with cap money education and do thousands around this country and we can, over the next 10, 15 years, make this service available to tens of thousands of New Zealanders, people say, you don't really think you're going to change the nation, do you? I do. And I'm expecting to see it. But I'll tell you where the real fruit will be. The real fruit will be when I have long gone. The real fruit will be in the generations that follow the generations that we have been the privilege, have been given the privilege to meet. And it is for those generations that I lay camp before that, and it's for the, for them that I ask you to get involved in this thing. Please, please continue to love people. Please, please continue to do all the great things that you're doing through this church. And I expect that at some stage in the future, we may meet again, and I'll be celebrating a nation your nation, that together with a bunch of ordinary people and a God who cares and a church that's interested will make this nation change. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources or to donate to our teaching resource ministry or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.